0: What up, what up, fantasy people. This is the True North Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Travis Seal. I've got my co-host Tyrell McLaughlin with me. It's gonna be a fun episode today. Ty, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good. What are you
1: thinking for tonight?
0: Oh, it's going to be a good one. Let's, uh, let's just get right to it, actually. We're going to continue breakdown season. Today, we're going to start with the Atlanta Falcons. So we're going alphabetical order. Uh, we're going to hit the team from top to bottom. We're going to cover everything. We're going to cover you know, contract situations. We're going to talk usage. Uh, what are you saying?
1: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the Falcons. I think the last team we dove into is the Cardinals and, you know, the skill position players in Arizona. They come with a lot more uncertainty than the Falcons. That's why we kind of really sunk our teeth into what we saw on the team level with Arizona. I think with the Falcons players outside of Devontae Freeman, I think all the skill positions are pretty cemented there. So for the team level in Atlanta, there are still some interesting things to hit, though, for sure. Like how a team could be one and seven in the first half and then finish the year six and two.
0: Yeah, totally. That's a pretty pretty wild year. I like I like what you said there about um, the stuff being a little bit more set in stone, maybe a little more certainty. It's a little bit easier to form our opinions at that point, uh, which is nice because at this point in the off season, we're just kind of getting prepped for going into next year. So uh, that's a really good point you made there. So uh, do you want to kick off the Falcons for us?
1: Yeah, let's do it
0: and after the atlanta falcons we are going to run through the top 12 running backs ppr scoring so we're going to talk about them a little bit of situation a little bit of production guys that we think are going to stay in that top 12 and guys who might be able to rise up or, or fall out so uh ty you want to kick off the atlanta falcons for us yeah
1: for sure i mean i mentioned the six and two finish for the atlanta falcons but when we take a step back it's still pretty crap here for the Falc fans, unfortunately. And the blame can be super widely distributed, I think. Head coach Dan Quinn, offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter shoulder a lot of the blame. The offensive line was kind of the biggest team let down this year. Matt Ryan doesn't escape culpability. And the defense, like, what a roller coaster they were this year. What a driver of team success they were this year. If I wanted to give an excuse for this offense overall, it was yet another year as a first season under a new play caller. It's kind of led to letdowns in the past for the Atlanta Falcons. And we remember Steve Sarkeesian's first year as the OC That was a real battle. And even Cal Shanahan's first season was kind of underwhelming.
0: Yeah, there was a little bit of bumps and bruises there. I think I like what you said about the O-line there. It was kind of tough to see those injuries that they had after drafting two O-linemen in the first round. So I think the O-line is kind of a a takeaway that they need to kind of improve. I'm not sure if they're going to really bring anybody in on the O-line. I think they might hope for people to get healthy, especially with their cap situation. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to watch them kind of retool because I think the big dogs in that offense are pretty set.
1: Yeah, agreed. And let's hit some team level stuff here. Atlanta had a really unusual year in 2019. So I think we have to sift through a lot with Atlanta heading into 2020, kind of. They were so bad early in the season, some stats are just going to be muddied. Like they did end up running the second most plays on offense this season. And that's kind of a huge 180 from what we've seen under uh, Dan Quinn in the past. We should mention that Dan Quinn is going to be back. It's it's another thing that's cemented in this offense is they will have the same head coach going in. And so, you know, the tendencies that we see over the past has been obviously that Atlanta's very pass-heavy. And the last two years, there's been very little run game to speak of.
0: Yeah, you said it. The running game really kind of held them back this year. Uh, I think actually Dirk Ketter is going to be back too, is he not? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said that, yeah. I mean, like you said, the play volume is there for the production. And the difference this year was that in, in the past, Uh, Cutter's offense was kind of centered around Roddy White or Julio Jones, even that Harry Douglas year. I think it was a little bit more spread out this year after Julio Jones, obviously, in the pecking order, especially with Devonta Freeman not really coming on a whole lot as far as the running game. so. Yeah, and Sanu got
1: traded. There was just a lot of chaos overall in Atlanta this year, and the play volume kind of led to a lot of pass volume this year, so did the game scripts, them losing so much early in the season. Atlanta was the pass heaviest team in football this year in pass-to-rush ratio, and the attempts were just a landslide. They had 684 pass attempts this year, and the Falcons had 459 completed passes this year. By the way, that's 12 passes shy of the all-time NFL record in 2011 for the Saints. Keep that in mind. When we hear about some of these players during the offseason for the Atlanta Falcons, the pass catchers pretty much saw the most catches up for grabs as any group's ever seen in the history of the league. And it's not so it's not hard to project that that should come back to earth next year. I still think they stay among the league lead in passing, but I I don't expect them to be breaking records.
0: Yeah, same here. I think they're going to want to, they're probably going to want to run the ball more because they did have the third fewest run plays this season. Um, And I think a lot of that was just potentially the the ineffectiveness of the running backs and the O-line, obviously. I think they might actually add to that running back room, but we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. I just want to touch a little bit on uh, the red zone work that they had. Uh, We talked a little bit about the Cardinals uh, on our last episode and how they were pretty ineffective in the red zone. The Atlanta Falcons were a little bit similar as well. They had the fifth most trips into the red zone and they only scored a touchdown on 51%. And so that's bottom 10 in the NFL. Uh, So I think there is potential for, you know, an uptick in that area. They just didn't make the most of those opportunities and they, they were there a lot.
1: Yeah, that's really well put. And, you know, I think that should balance the dip in volume I talked about coming. High variance fantasy seasons are usually on the back of spike touchdown seasons. We know that. So I'll I'll take the team re- touchdown regression, positive regression versus the, the volume regression I was talking about for sure. And speaking of low volume, and you, you want to touch on running backs, let's talk about it. I want to chat about the run game in Atlanta before we get into the players next. I, I think looking at okay. it absent any players to like marry the info to it's better right now because the Falcons, you said it, man, they're a good bet to to draft a running back.
0: Yeah, you know, if I'm drafting, I'm probably looking to add that running back if it's kind of in the first three rounds of the draft. I think Devonta Freeman's gone and we didn't really see a whole lot from Ito or Brian Hill. A little bit more of a dynamic presence there would help a lot, um, especially if they can get some offensive line help, which kind of seems like a trend uh, as far as health. But, uh, you know, I think with a little bit more of a dynamic running back, that could be a backfield that we could want and it could turn around fairly quickly after being very undesirable this year, to say the least. Yeah, and
1: I think that guy's going to have some capital, too. They have an extra second-round pick this year, we can't forget, courtesy of Mohamed Sanu's service and the Patriots' generosity, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, Bill.
1: But, you know, I think the other side of that coin, though, is that player could be overhyped. It's possible, I I think. Well, maybe we can get to that a little bit when we get into Devontae Freeman. but it's just been an unappealing run game for me in the last couple of years here in Atlanta. And it's a mix of the situation and the players, but a lot has to do with the situation. You mentioned it this year; they were. Do you say they were, had the third least rushing attempts this year? Th-
0: third fewest, yeah, three hundred and sixty-two. That was the
1: same as last year. They were bottom three last year, and the efficiency was nowhere to be found this year. They had the third least rushing yards as a team. Only ten rushing touchdowns for Atlanta. That was kind of weird for me. It was just off putting because I we were talking about at the top. They just went to the red zone so often. I think they were third in red zone attempts this year. So you yeah, know that. Yeah. The the running game has just been a big disappointment, and you know, the yards per carry this year was among the league low, just a huge drop-off, O-line, coaching, whatever, but for fantasy football, and this could come into play when we talk about Devontae Freeman and Atlanta maybe taking a running back, but for fantasy football, like, the carries, the yardage, they were so low, it, it was all because of the lack of big plays, so... Maybe I'll be wrong. The overhyped guy might pay off anyways because the Falcons just had like no big plays this year. They had zero 40 yard rushes. They only had six running plays from their offense of over 20 yards this year.
0: Yeah, that actually leads me into my next little piece here, really well, Ty. I was looking at uh, sharp football. Uh, so sharpfootballstats.com that's a website that we really recommend over here at True North and the Falcons were bottom 5 in explosive plays and if you think about their weapons like bottom 5 in explosive plays is pretty bad. Uh, In the run game you mentioned how inefficient they were. They were the 5th worst in explosive run plays and they were the 11th worst in explosive pass plays so I mean with the firepower that they have on that team they got Ridley, they've got Julio obviously, Uh, Russell Gage actually showed a little bit towards the end of the season Hooper, we thought Devonta Freeman- might still have a little bit left in the tank but i'm not so sure uh so there is some room for some positive regression there as well and the big plays like you said could pay off for a running back that's in that backfield
1: yeah you're right it, they it really should open it up for the running back there uh should we move on to the players here and get into the get in these skill position players
0: let's do that man we're gonna start out with maddie ice yo vip Uh, Matt Ryan he you know he had another decent year he was the quarterback 11 he had over 4,400 yards 26 touchdowns and the third most pass attempts that's kind of like a volume we would want with the third most pass attempts Uh, the 26 touchdowns is decent and he's always got that yardage so I personally think that he's still in a really good position to succeed with with cutter because we know he's going to be pass heavy. I think he probably does have one of the best weapon groups in the NFL as well. Austin Hooper helps that a lot, and we'll talk about him and his situation too. Um, But, I mean, I think Cutter staying at least bodes well for Matt Ryan. What do you think?
1: I got a few things with Matt Ryan. Uh, I got a lot of problems with you people. Uh, (laughs) I guess, you know, you can't say that anymore. You can't say you people even if you're quoting Seinfeld. (laughs) The tradition of Festivus begins... With the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. You're going to hear about it. Yeah, I think it's been fun times for Matt Ryan owners. Fun times for Matt Ryan. Uh, I just read that he made more money than any other quarterback this decade. Happy 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's in the last eight years, he's been absolutely all over the bloody place every other year. So let's go back eight years ago. He was the quarterback seven. And then the quarterback 15, quarterback seven, quarterback 19, quarterback two quarterback 15 and then he was the quarterback two again and then he was quarterback 11 this year uh by the way Mm -hmm. those seasons in 2016 and last year when he finished as the quarterback two overall they were top 20 quarterback seasons all time so you know the pattern says he's due for a big year and you know he might be (laughs) you said it with the offense if they re-sign austin hooper this pass heavy scheme it, it should propel matt ryan to another big season But I think his finish at the quarterback position for fantasy, I think it lies in touchdowns. So do you see his touchdowns being able to bounce back?
0: Yeah, I think with those pass attempts that he that if he has a similar similar number, he had 616. uh, I think with those, he could go up into the low 30s we've seen it before from him right so it's we can't say that it's not in the cards and like we said he's got a lot of room to grow in the red zone this year he had the third most red zone pass attempts with 81 and actually 20 of his 26 touchdowns came from inside the 20 so that kind of highlights what we talked about about them not getting explosive plays he was having to get his touchdowns from inside the 20. I think you know with some more explosive plays uh, if if they get some health as well Austin Hooper was hurt and Calvin Ridley really did get hurt towards the end of the season there um, so if if they could add a piece, like we said, in the backfield, plus those guys staying healthy, I think he is going to get some more of those big plays for, for maybe a couple extra touchdowns, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think he. I think 30 is a safe bet. Remember, he missed some time this year as well. It, I, I just think it was such a... I, I said it already like three times this time, but it was a really chaotic season for Matt Ryan. I mean, a lot... I, I'm not like excusing his play this year he was this i think he was the 17th graded quarterback on pff so that's not great he was just in the middle of the pack no matter how you looked at him in 2019 when you step back he he probably had his second worst season of his career actually in real life football and when you're looking at dvoa and qbr and all that crap and he he just faced so much adversity he really was he he was made to play outside of structure way too often this season and he he just didn't handle that pressure very well and he had a massive spike in turnover worthy plays But we almost got into the one thing I want to look into more is if Dirk Cutter is going to be back. It was a bad season for Dirk Cutter this year too. And Matt Ryan, he's kind of needed an acclimation period in the past. The second season under Sarkeesian was better in Shanahan. That season in 2016 was the second season together. That was just magic. So I do want, I just want some more time before I condemn Matt Ryan to being like a quarterback two for fantasy. Because it seems like that's the the trend, you know what I mean? So you're saying, how do you value Matt Ryan in redraft then? Do you think he's top 12?
0: Yeah, I think he's probably like the back end of top 12, um, just because there are um, some pretty solid options when you get through, you know, the top 10. So the 11, 12 spots can kind of flip flop. But I think I would probably at first glance, I'd probably have him top 12. Yeah. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, for redraft, I'll I will have Matt Ryan as a QB one. But like you said, probably to the back end of the top 12 quarterbacks. But I do think it's one of those things where he's going to fall into a tier. All these guys score so closely bunched together, and he has a lot of name value, and he's going to have a lot of truthers going into the offseason for regression to the mean, so he might end up being a little bit overdrafted. But I think that could also open up a pocket in Dynasty where a lot of players, when they start to have bad years, players want to get rid of them in Dynasty leagues, and I kind of implement that strategy in some leagues. Do you ever do that, Trav, where you buy veterans for free like a Matt Stafford or buy veterans for reduced prices like a Matt Ryan?
0: totally man you can get a couple of good years out of those guys if you pick them up and you can usually get them fairly cheap it is a good strategy because it, it kind of buys you a little bit of time in dynasty to get some youth behind so i actually do like getting certain guys obviously there's some that i just don't even want to pick up um like say maybe like a larry fitzgerald isn't somebody that i'd pick up as far as wide outs but uh, i definitely like that
1: Yeah, and we can't always have a top three quarterback or top three player in every position, you know what I mean? A quarterback is one of those positions where if I don't have one of those elite players, I don't care who I have as much. And I just think Matt Ryan's one of those players who could be really cheap in Dynasty this offseason. He'll be valued probably outside the top 12 quarterbacks, I'd bet on that. He'll go late in startups, even super flex drafts, relatively speaking. But he will score as a top 12 quarterback, or close to it for a couple more years, I think.
0: Yeah, man, he's going to be a nice quarterback, too, for some super flex rosters, that's for sure. Yeah, I,
1: I think the team could look to deviate from living and dying on Matt Ryan, though, like the Falcons. They want to build their defense a little bit. They're hoping maybe it just looks like it did down the stretch last year. And they, they could lose Hooper, that's for real. Oh, and they they is drafted a running back.
0: Yeah. I'm on yeah. it. I'm on that train. Well,
1: let's let's go to the next stop. Then those running backs.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll start at the uh, I guess the top of the depth chart. We'll call it with uh, Devonta Freeman. Um, it was a really really disappointing season for him. He was the running back twenty on the year, so he was a running back two. But I think a lot of people took him as you know if they waited on running back, they took him as their top running back on some teams, uh, and he definitely disappointed as far as that uh, as far as that went. He had just over 650 rushing yards. He had 59 receptions, which is pretty positive, but he only managed 410 yards on that and six total touchdowns. So I just think it was a really bad, uh, bad year for Devonta Freeman, and it kind of signaled the end for him. A with Atlanta and B probably as being anybody's lead back.
1: Yeah, he's definitely the elephant in this running back room, and Deadman Freeman. That's what we should call him, or Dead Cap Freeman. I think it's six million dead cap to cut him.
0: Let's call him Deadman. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And you know my point of view on it. I just think he's one of those profile running backs who was used really heavily and broke down ultra quick, unfortunately. And I don't really consider him a fantasy resurrection. I know a lot of people are going to kind of pitch him like that. I think next-gen stats, I think they cut off at like 85 carries or something. But Devontae Freeman had the third worst yards per carry among running backs this year. His yards per carry was 46 out of 48th qualified running backs. He was 36th in juke rate, 36th in breakaway percentage, and he's just a fantasy bore these days. He's in a bad fit. And he can't be used how he came into the league being used. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. He's not the bowling ball that he once was uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. He did have that uh, running back one season, which was stellar. But you can't really dwell on that anymore because we are quite removed from that. I just see him being a committee back. And you mentioned that you don't see a resurrection. I think this year with Atlanta was supposed to kind of be the resurrection and it wasn't. So personally, I'm not really looking at Devonta Freeman myself. The guy's season high in one game was 88 rushing yards, so he didn't have any over 100, and he only had two touchdowns on the ground. So, I mean, when you see him losing work to Edo Smith, Quadri Olison, and Brian Hill, um, you know, that's kind of a sign of what the Falcons are going to try and do. And those guys even took red zone work from him as well, so that kind of limits him if he comes back to Atlanta. We know that they're going to try and, look elsewhere to supplement some of that usage. So uh, be careful with, uh, with Devonta Freeman.
1: Yeah. And you said he didn't have a game with the hundred yards rushing. That means he hasn't had one since 2017, I guess. And you know, zero games with 20 carries this year and his touchdowns, like it's weird. His efficiency was down. That's usually what he had going for him. His touchdowns are down. That's all he has going for him. In my opinion. And it, it was super drastic. So maybe it does regress to the mean Devonta Freeman didn't have a rushing touchdown until week 14, if I was inclined to be generous, and I don't know why I'd be inclined to be generous, but I'd say Freeman, <laughs> I'd say Freeman has had to split touches at the goal line the last few years. Like that's being generous. He's almost he's almost under fifty percent touch share at at the goal line the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, man, ain't no handouts in fantasy football, yeah. right?
1: And if they, yeah, like if they draft a top, uh, running back in the top four rounds, that guy probably unseats him immediately. Even if they keep Devontae Freeman.
0: For sure. So that's kind of that's kind of the big question. Do you think he sticks around? Um, you mentioned the six million dollar uh, dead cap. They would save three and a half million on his nine point five million dollar salary by cutting him. Um, so so, do you think he's going to stick around? Do you think they're just going to cut bait?
1: Actually, I'm not sure because they do have a lot of defensive players to sign in free agency. I mean, they could use the six million. They have a really, 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 really bad cap situation to be honest. It's, this is the first realistic out the teams had since they signed Freeman to this deal, though. So it, it could be really, could be really appealing to them. Mm-hmm. I think if we hear reports that they're willing to trade Devontae Freeman, that'll be the first echo that that Devontae Freeman could be cut. Actually, I've I have, an, I have yeah. an outlandish idea, Trav. The team likely adds a running back. This is what we know. The magnitude of that dude, that's the intrigue. But Atlanta, their roster is like Swiss cheese. Like once guys leaving free agency on defense in particular, and that's the argument for them not taking a running back high in the draft. And the Falcons, in my opinion, they could they could use a dash more of leadership. So I'm saying Frank Gore to Atlanta. What do you think of that?
0: Oh, <laughs> that it could happen. I mean, he's probably got about 10 years left in the tank. So yeah. why, not, uh, why not try and go beef up the Atlanta running back room, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> or what they should do is what teams should never do. And that's use really high draft capital. Go get DeAndre Swift. Keep him in Georgia.
0: Yeah, that would he would look pretty sick there. Oh my man. god, and, yeah, he'll look
1: sick wherever he goes. But he'll yeah. have they'll have to spend their sixteenth overall pick to do it. It'd be hilarious yeah, if they went up to the podium at sixteen and took Jonathan Taylor instead.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. Kind of right in the middle, they're still gonna have a bunch of decent players on the board, and we know that they got a lot of needs. So Atlanta, you know, I think I you know I say Atlanta is a team to watch. All these teams are teams to watch for us, really, because we're kind of keeping an eye on all of them, obviously. So uh, Ty, you want to? You got any more on the running back? I think what would be more likely for Atlanta, and still very exciting for fantasy and Falc
1: fans for that matter, is one of their two picks in the second round are used on a running back. It's not impossible either that J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne, they could still be on the board in the late 40s and mid-50s as a draft, and that's where their two second round picks are. So, the, And those four guys are my top four uh, rookie ranks right now, for show.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. I'm not exactly sure what order yet. I still got a little bit more to watch on them and a little bit more to look at, uh, but those are probably my top four as well. Yeah. Okay, so I don't think we really need to hit on the other running backs. They got Edo Smith, Quadri Olison, and Brian Hill, but I think we want to see what shakes out in that draft because like we said, we're both fairly confident that there is a running back taken. Uh, so why don't we move on to the wide receiver room? We'll start off with Julio. He had, you know, almost 1,400 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, why don't you kick it off with Julio Jones, tie?
1: Okay, I, uh, I talked a lot about him in that hit rate, Seppi, so I, I'll try not to go too long, but I'm sure it's a hot take. But I think this was the worst Julio season in the last half decade or last six years, for that matter. If the Falcons' passing volume comes down, which it will julio he's gonna need some of his peripherals to go up he led the nfl in yards per route run for five years straight heading into the season it's the one thing people used to point at and say no julio is the best wide receiver in football you know what i mean this year Mm -hmm. this year he is like 12th or something so still very respectable but it reflects what i'm going to talk about a little bit when we get into julio here what uh how did you feel about julio jones this year
0: because it's not what we saw always with julio yeah, it was, it felt really up and down. Like the numbers look really, really good. Uh, the target number looks good. The yards obviously look good, but it just kind of felt a little bit, a little bit weirdly up and down for the fact that he uh, he played 15 games, which is solid. And he did have those good numbers. So I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I still think he can continue to get it done. And, you know, if I'm an owner, I'm, I'm fairly happy. But he did have a few games that were, were duds. He had a couple under 60 yards, which isn't necessarily like him. Um, and of course, the touchdowns were down with those six touchdowns. his He had four in the first three games, and then he didn't have any until week 15 where he had another two. So you weren't really getting the, the big spikes out of Julio. You needed for him to have a lot of receptions in your PPR leagues to get kind of a, a decently big week out of him.
1: Yeah, I thought, like, same thing. As always, it looked great on paper, but it was just okay when he was your top 15 pick in fantasy drafts. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Julio had a career-long touchdown drought this year. He didn't score a touchdown for nine straight games from weeks four to 14. But I one thing that I saw, something happened down the stretch. They moved Julio into the slot and just funneled the entire offense through him, and I thought that was kind of a wee sneak preview of how Julio might be used when he does get near the end of his career in, you know, two or three or four years. It's just great to know that he can operate in the slot, and he, he dominated doing it, and you know what he actually he dominated in the last three weeks of the season that's kind of what the point i wanted to get into especially in the 49ers upset game against xoc kyle shanahan that was the game he, yeah, yeah, he finally broke his touchdown drought again in that game and
0: 20 targets in that yeah
1: game. and he, that was the game he finally he finally uh dropped two touchdowns in that game dropped a deuce on san francisco and
0: <laughs> yeah he chunked up the deuce <laughs>
1: came out <way laughs> two queens on casino night i am going to drop a deuce on everybody uh so great great finish to 2019 but over 30 percent of all julio stats came in those last three weeks including one third of his fantasy points
0: yeah man those were some big weeks i think you know i think there's still some some good that we can kind of take away you mentioned his slot usage and as well as that you know he never went under seven targets in a game Uh, his average depth of target was over 12 and a half and Matt Ryan was 12th in deep ball attempts with 66. And Julio almost had half of those with 31 deep targets. So uh, he is still getting some pretty good usage. He had 25% target share this year for the Falcons, which I think is a little bit low for him. Uh, but, you know, I think that's enough for him to get it done, especially if we can see a little bit of an increase in those on those six touchdowns. So, so you know, I think he still has a couple good years left in the tank personally. Um, but what are you saying?
1: Yeah, I thought you, you mentioned the 25% target share. I, he was second among wide receivers and targets overall this year. So, you know, it's hard to complain. But that was lower than any of his previous four seasons. And if the Falcons' pass attempts come down as a team, we better see Julio's target share climb back up. And he's a super rare, close to 30% target share guy. That's what we know him as, not a 25% target share guy. And it just shows the development of Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper, who are kind of mid-breakout for their careers right now. And, uh, you know, I kind of have another similar beef with Julio, the air yards. His air yards could be a mirage for Julio in 2019, I'm telling you. He led the league for the third year straight, I think, and he had over 1,900 air yards this year, but it probably gets used in arguments for drafting Julio in 2020, but it was over 500 less air yards than he had last year, so the air yards is a trend I think we should pay attention to. Once I looked at it, it was really easy to spot, too. In 2017, Julio led the NFL by having 46% of his team's air yards. In 2018, Julio again led the NFL by having, again, a 46% share of the Falcons' air yards. This season, though, Julio Jones dropped 10%. He saw still very good, but just 36% of the Falcons' air yards. I'm just kind of pointing out ways that Calvin Ridley and Austin Hooper have affected this offense. Um, But before I'm tempted to do a money segue to Calvin Ridley here, Trav, what's your redraft outlook for, for Julio Jones?
0: I think I still put him top five. Uh, top three might be a little bit tricky, but top five for sure. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of split on it right now. I really like Julio. Like, he's one of my favorite talents, but I do worry about, you know, we know he's not getting a lot of touchdowns, so we rely on all the yards and volume. So, you know, he needs his volume, air yards, and touchdowns all to come up. When the Falcons pass, volume as a whole has a slight decline next year. And, yeah, just, I don't know, the fantasy community will value him as a top five wide receiver in redraft. I just I can't abide. He's a player I'd love at the 2-3 turn, but I just I don't love him top 15 in a draft. Mm-hmm. Actually, do you want to do a quick either-or on him? Yeah, hit it. Stefan Diggs or Julio?
0: So, what are we talking Sorry, are we talking redraft or dynasty? Redraft here. It's Julio for next Ditto.
1: year. Ditto. A-Rob or Julio? Oh, Julio. Yeah, I just love Allen Robinson. Poor bastard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> DJ Moore or Julio?
0: Getting closer, but I think it's still Julio.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, Amari Cooper or Julio?
0: Ooh, that's tricky with with so much to shake out for Amari. Um, I think regardless, yeah, I'm probably Julio. still going to go Julio. Me too, yeah.
1: Kenny G, Julio. Ooh, now We're that's getting, getting
0: closer. Damn. Um, Julio. Uh, yeah, Julio by a hair. OBJ yeah. or Julio? Julio. Yeah, I
1: think it might be a hot take that I have OBJ ahead of Kenny G. I'm just realizing. What about Tampa Bay wide receivers or Julio? Either of the Tampa Bay wide receivers, you taking over Julio?
0: Damn it's super close like redraft it's so so tricky but if jamis is back uh, i think it's continued wheels up for those guys I so a,
1: i might take both of them over that's a funny that's that's, those are the that's hardest what i'm ones. waffling what about on this right one? now Devonte yeah. adams or julio
0: oh, you know i like Devonte adams tie i think Devonte adams that's close though that's really close i was
1: looking at a couple of redraft ranking lists and he's number two on a lot of lists but i'll take julio over Devonte adams in 2020 Tyreek
0: mm. Hill or julio uh Tyreek. Yeah, I'll
1: take Tyreek as well. Funny, maybe he is top five. <laughs> Michael, like yeah. Michael, Thomas, Tyreek, Julio, and then I like these Tampa Bay wide receivers like Kenny G, like yeah, P.J., like Juju. But that's like you know, fifteen spots too high. What about Dynasty? I yeah. mean, it's hard to say. If you can get a big package for Julio, you're doing that, right?
0: Absolutely. In a draft class Absolutely. like this, yeah,
1: I won't take him 100%. in Dynasty startups either. Will you?
0: Mm, if I'm doing a startup right now, unless he's he's like, still going in know, the top two rounds exactly so I'm probably out I'm probably out on that but if I hold like if I have Julio I could see myself doing kind of all of the above like I see you know depending on the roster that I have I could sell him I could hold him or I could potentially buy him uh, if I could get him a little bit low on a team that just needs a couple years of a really stud wide receiver season um, you know I could see myself buying him yeah in existing leagues I'm with you I'm buying him I'm going to go check out some of my uh, existing dynasty leagues right now (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of the
1: stuff had to do with Calvin Ridley. What are you thinking about Calvin Ridley for the Atlanta Falcons?
0: Another name that I really, really like. uh, I had a bit of Calvin Ridley this past year, and it was tough. I think he had a solid season. He came on towards the end of the season. He started slow, obviously, and it wasn't looking that great for him. But I think, you know, the Hooper injury really helped him. And he was on his way to probably just getting a little bit better season than, than he had last year in his rookie year you know there's a lot of factors there so Hooper staying or going that that's a factor for me um, what they add to the running back room whether they potentially add somebody else to be the wide receiver 3 that that's a big factor for me but uh, i think he had a pretty good season at just under 900 yards and seven seven touchdowns there
1: yeah, I don't want to cut him down too much. I just think he doesn't offer a lot of like yards after the catch threat to his game. I don't like relying on big plays from wide receivers that have to draft as early as Calvin Ridley. And he's just not the type of wide receiver who can take a 75-yard slant to the house, you know what I mean? The The first thing I think of when I think of Ridley is he's just kind of boomer bust. He's only had three games over 100 yards receiving in his whole career. And he has less than 50 yards receiving in more than half his games in his 29-game career. So it's kind of hard to fathom that with the passing numbers in Atlanta as of late. But I think people have this illusion that Julio's going away or maybe there's a camp that think he retires early. We said it up top. I think Julio has a few years left. So the volume just won't be there for Ridley in Atlanta so long as Julio is.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned at the top that I like him. And I think, you know, all through the offseason, I was really high on Calvin Ridley at in that like fifth round, fourth round draft range. Um, but I think I'm coming off that a little bit. Like you said, it's just really hard to rely on him, especially because he's probably going to be your wide receiver two. And I wanted somebody a little bit more reliable at the wide receiver two position. I was one of those who thought that Ridley could be a quote unquote successor uh, to Julio, meaning that, you know, I thought maybe Julio might see a little bit of downturn. You know, he does have an injury history. But, you know, as far as we can see, Julio's full go. And I think, like you said, um, that caps Ridley. So, yeah, I think I'm backing off of that fourth or fifth round pick.
1: I really don't think you were off when it comes to process. Uh, You know, we're always targeting these sophomore wide receivers and the range of the draft he was going in. There's so many advantages. You know, it just goes back to the chaos in Atlanta, I think. But, But I don't think anyone really could have predicted the the big, Aust- like Austin Hooper kind of robbed the advantage of playing across from Julio Jones, you know, so Calvin Ridley, he's never been used by Atlanta to punish defenses for focusing too much on Julio, and I just think nobody could have predicted the Austin Hooper breakout this year. Ridley's over 10 targets just four times in his career, and two of them, they did come towards the end of the season with injuries, but... This shocked me, man. Like, this is what I'm talking about where he's not prioritizing his offense. Calvin Ridley still finished the season with just a 17% of the targets. 50 different wide receivers had a higher priority in their offense in their team's passing game.
0: Yeah, that's really well put there. You know, like I said, it's really hard to rely on him as your wide receiver too, which is kind of the capital you're going to have to invest. You know, I could see some avenue for him to have a little bit of an uptick. You know, if Hooper does go away and they don't bring in a prominent tight end, depending on what happens in the running back room, obviously is something that we're monitoring. Uh, I, I think there is a path for him to get a little bit more volume. But you you mentioned earlier that he's, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to take a slant and run it for 80 yards for a touchdown. So uh you got to maybe temper those expectations a little bit uh it was easy to get kind of lost in that 10 touchdown rookie season anytime you see double digit touchdowns you really really like that and you kind of want a piece of that obviously uh but we got to temper that a little bit so what are you thinking about for his dynasty value because his
1: draft capital it's going to keep him super relevant in dynasty that's for sure but to me it, it kind of overvalues him in that format a bit do you have him in your top 30 ish you know or are you going to have him as a wide receiver three
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to be pass-heavy enough that there will be enough to go around for that second wide receiver. Uh, You mentioned earlier the acclimation process for Matt Ryan, so that's another factor. Um, If he gets settled back into that cutter offense and gets more efficiency, uh, like we did see him do in the past with Dirk Cutter as the OC, uh, you know, I think wide receiver three is pretty safe. Wide receiver two is not, though. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, let's do a quick either-or for Dynasty, and let's imagine that Austin Hooper's on the team. Okay. Mike Williams or the guy we're talking about, Calvin Ridley. That's the dude. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, man, in a dynasty league, I think I'm still going to go with what's his name, Ridley. Um, just just because we don't really know what's going on with the quarterback position at uh, in in LA there with the Chargers. Um, and I do like Mike Williams, but I'm still not super super sold on him yet. Um, so I'm gonna go with uh, the yeah. They're leader. like
1: the two guys. I have no idea where I can ra- where to rank these guys. Like they're two guys I look at and I'm like, wow, I must be really low on these two players for Mike Williams and Calvin Ridley.
0: They'll probably be right around each other though for me. But uh, who's the next guy? What
1: about Michael Gallup?
0: Ooh, I think in a Dino, I'm probably going Gallup, and that's on the fact that I kind of think Amari's gonna yeah, leave. I'll take Gallup um, there either way. I think it might still be Gallup if Amari's yeah, there too. I'll take him either
1: way. I just like that offense a little bit better going forward. Calvin Ridley or Debo Samuel?
0: Hmm. I think it's Ridley by a little bit, but i really liked what I saw from Debo. Yeah, I'm ah. going
1: Debo on that one. What about Christian Kirk?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Ooh, we talked about him on the last episode. I think I think it might be Christian Kirk by a hair. I like that offense a lot over here. Yeah, Arizona. that's
1: another tough one for me. I probably would go Kirk, but that's a tough one.
0: Terry McLaurin. Yeah, they're what about T Mac? Oh Terry McLaurin. I think I'm probably going oh, Terry McClure too, for
1: sure. I went backwards there, by the way. So we were taking, these are a little bit of hot takes.
0: Yeah, totally. Redraft,
1: I th- when we're talking redraft for Calvin Ridley, what do you what do you think? Because I think he could actually go higher in redrafts in 2020 than like Dynasty startups. I'd actually bet a lot of money on that.
0: Yeah, he probably is going a little bit too high because a lot of people are going to want to rely on him as that wide receiver too, um, that strong wide receiver too, right? And and there's, there's no question that he could be, you know, in the back end wide receiver too area but uh, as like a, you know a top end wide receiver too
1: and i think we have to decide yes. if like he's you know the number two option or the number three behind hooper we'll have to really figure that out going into the season next year mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. but i
1: do think i'll be taking players in the same range like dk metcalf michael gallup who were also wide receiver twos on their team i'll be taking those players over you know the, some dude named calvin
0: <laughs> where's hobbs at
1: what's the matter dog you in Paris? This guy's a gangster.
0: His real name is Clarence. You know that uh, I'm looking at pro football reference right now. And did you know that Julio's real name is Quintoris Lopez wow, Jones? Wow, I
1: did not know that.
0: Nor did I. That What's was a fun name? fact. Quintoris. That's Q-U-I-N-T-O-R-R-I-S.
1: Oh, wow. Should I change my name to Quintiro?
0: <laughs> you probably should. <laughs> okay so uh you know we've talked a lot about austin hooper this episode i think he is you know he is a really big factor in how we view this offense moving forward into next year uh so let's talk about him a little bit ty austin hooper yeah
1: did you know he only dropped two of his 93 targets this year matt ryan better hope he stays
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's really good
1: and yeah, I mentioned, like, as we know, his contract's on the forefront of a lot of opinion forming in this Falcons offense for fantasy purposes. And I mentioned their cap situation is not good. You know, it's really weird. After the season ended, Hooper was asked about his UFA status, and he said the team hadn't even offered him a long-term deal yet. When I read that, I, like, totally flipped points of view. I was like, oh, maybe they could lose him. And it, I, I just think it could be a dicey negotiation, because I see both Yeah, sides. I think
0: it's a strong possibility, actually, that he goes elsewhere, because, I mean, if you look at kind of the top tight end contracts they're making you know seven million plus at least so with the falcons projected right now on spot track i looked before before the show here and they're projected to have negative two million in cap space (laughs) they got they got some work to do if they want to give them a contract i know
1: (laughs) yeah i think it's going to be like heated discussion like if you're austin hooper you're saying hey over the first half of the year i was the tight end one overall in fantasy man and in weeks one to eight i was a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy as a tight end but after the bye week, he he got hurt, and then he just he wasn't the same tight end for fantasy owners at all. He was barely startable at that point. And at your management, you say help us out. Dirk Cutter's coming back. He loves you, but they'd start by mentioning the last four games of the year. And yeah, actually, there's actually a really good argument against Austin Hooper, and that would be that his success was directly tied to the team's losing. And this is big for fantasy because they won't lose seven of every eight games next year. It sounds weird, but Hooper was the tight end one overall for that. Stretch where Atlanta was one and seven. Mm-hmm. What we saw when they were six and two down the stretch was injuries and disappointment. And check this out, Trav Hooper had the fifth most receiving yards in the NFL when his team was trailing by three or more points. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty wild, man. The game script definitely did help Austin Hooper this season. I think, you know, another factor that has he has benefited from is, you know, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones being there. Uh talented wide receivers kind of open up a little bit of space for him. And, you know, I wonder if he is somebody who could be a focal point of an offense elsewhere. Um, so they could potentially play into that a little bit for for the negotiations, but uh, we're getting pretty deep into the negotiation table here for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. So uh it, it's gonna be interesting to see like do Do you think that um, he could go and be the focal point of another team? You know, a team that doesn't have a strong wide receiver one.
1: I don't know. I guess it it depends if a general manager wants to remember the first half of the season or the second half of the season. And I think it's weird because his success had nothing to do with team success, obviously. You know, he was the tight end one, but his team had one win in eight games. So I don't think I don't think he's going to fetch as big of a contract as some people think that he's going to, you know, start to facilitate that new era of contracts for tight ends I don't think that's going to happen I think someone like Hunter Henry would be more likely to do that but I do see a concern that he does go elsewhere I just don't think it would be a great situation to be honest and there's so many needy tight end teams but I don't see somebody like New England going out and paying the money to do that Although it would be a great strategy for, for a team who's on the cusp to go out and sign Austin Hooper, who's probably, I think he's going into his fifth year. Yeah, I'm
0: kind of with you there. Like, I'm not necessarily sure he is somebody who could give you really good tight end numbers if he wasn't getting those 80 plus targets. So if those targets do go down in another situation, um, I think in in most cases, I probably would prefer him in Atlanta over over other teams.
1: Yeah, and it, it was just such a weird year because he was clearly on pace for one of those years where you look back and be like, you know, he'll be overdrafted. That was his career year. But I just, I mm-hmm. want to be higher on him than I am, especially in Dynasty. He's kind of just cemented as like the tight end six to eight for me. Uh, You know, I'm taking Kittle, taking Kelsey, obviously. Uh, Evan Ingram, I'd take him. Uh, yep. Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, yep. I'd take Hunter Henry. And then we get into that new tier, though. Like, I just don't know what tier to put Austin Hooper in. That's what I'm trying to say because I will take Hooper over Zach Ertz. I, I think I would in a dynasty.
0: But really? a guy like –
1: yeah, I definitely will. Zach Ertz, you know, I like Zach Ertz, but I just think he's lost the ceiling. And I, I might be higher than most on this guy, but, Dar- you know, D-Wally, man. Give me some Darren Waller. But him and Hooper, those guys are really close to me. And in dynasty, depending on team build or, you know, if it's a startup draft, TJ Hawkinson, Noah fan.
0: Those guys mm-hmm, could be. Yeah.
1: They could be in the combo. They could crack the combo.
0: Yeah, that uh, that little influx of talent at the tight end position actually is kind of exciting for me. Um, so we'll we'll get into that in a future episode when we run through the tight ends. So uh, um, yeah,
1: I think he'll be a void when we when we get to fantasy seasons because the problem is he could be in fourth rounds of fantasy drafts.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point there, and I I would not be going near that. No. So should we just get the hell out of Atlanta entirely then? Yeah, let's big bounce. That's what I just said. Well, that's what I'm saying to you. All right, so the next piece we're going to talk about is the top 12 running backs in fantasy. So we uh, we kind of standardize ourselves with the PPR format. And so we're going to we're going to run through the top 12 running backs a little bit and talk a little bit about what we think about them going forward. Uh, but first, Ty, uh, I know you've been doing a lot of research about ADP and hit rate stuff lately. And so I'm going to let you fly off on a little bit of that and kind of give us the nitty gritty of it because I think that stuff's really, really important to look at as we move into our drafts. It's just kind of another aspect we can put into our tools belt, and I really like how you frame that. So why don't you uh, head into her?
1: Yeah, I think you could look at nothing else and just look at how often certain positions pay off at certain draft picks and how often players pay off at the draft price you're paying for them. When we're looking at running backs this year, it it was a cool year because most of the group that we look at here as we go down the list, they paid off on their average draft position. I'll start with this one. A trend that really, really bucked this year was running backs drafted in rounds three through six. They usually have a brutal hit rate especially recently since 2015. Meanwhile, wide receivers have kind of an immaculate hit rate in that range of fantasy drafts. This year was no different at wide receiver, but it was at running back, four or five, depending where you pull your data from. But four or five running backs who finished in the top 12 were drafted between rounds three and six. And that gets me to my next point, zero RB enthusiasts, earmuffs. No running back who finished top 24 at the position this year went after the sixth round of fantasy drafts. Nobody in the top 24 and then remember back to the waiver wire. Trav, would you ever exercise 0RB? Because I know you play a lot of leagues.
0: Yeah, I'm not a 0RB guy. I you know, I like to have at least a stud running back on my roster just because the position is so volatile. I like to have that heavy production, but usually I don't play 0RB. How about yourself?
1: Well, I mean, I, I like what you said there because it, because of that volatility, I'm usually grabbing two running backs in my first three picks, just mm-hmm. depending on my where I am in the draft, uh, where I'm drafting my draft slot. I think you can still exercise 0RB at times in 2020. It sounds stupid to say that because, you know, but I just think you should diversify and only only do it if you play in several leagues because this year you would have, like, missed playoffs in every league if you are a 0RB truther and you only played a couple leagues, right? Mm-hmm. One more thing, just uh, the second tier of running back this year, just like quarterback, just like wide receiver, the second tier of running back was very closely bunched this year behind Christian McCaffrey. The next five guys, it's such a sexy tier. Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott, Austin Eckler, Daryl Lee Henry, and Dalvin Cook, they were all separated by about a point and a half per game in PPR leagues.
0: Yeah, that's a nice little tier to hit. Um, You know, if you're in kind of the back of the first round, uh, you're probably pretty, pretty safely going to get one of those guys. So um, even in the early second, you might be able to get Derrick Henry, depending on uh, your league mates. So I think that's a really you said it's a sexy tier and I'm I'm right there with you. I'm all in on that tier. Yeah. So should we get into some of these guys? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the running back one, and he had an unbelievable season. He had the uh, the double Gbos I'm calling them. <laughs> he had the thousand and thousand season. Uh, that was fantastic. We haven't seen that in quite this a only while. It's the third so, guy in history, uh, yeah. we- exactly so i i mean him marshall falk and roger craig was the other guy if i if i do believe um so i don't know who roger what do you think craig about is. uh no that? he was uh san francisco 49ers running mm, back yeah, in the late right, 80s right. uh, and it's funny because i'm kind of with you like his name kind of gets lost in the shuffle
1: call, the 40, yeah he's the 49ers guy yeah who was i thinking joe of? joe montana uh,
0: Super Bowls. yeah i was
1: thinking of someone else maybe jim craig pad <laughs> yeah
0: thinking about sitting you down jim hey what are you talking Nah, about? it's not your fault i played you way too much and you're too tired that's my net man you can't do that they just scored 10 goals jim right now it's everybody's net uh so what do you think for mccaffrey's season
1: yeah it was crazy I mean, he broke his own record for catches by running back in the season he had the second most catches in the league behind michael thomas it was yeah actually let's talk about this there's some fresh news from the south eh uh there's a new sheriff in carolina yeah yeah yeah, replaces long-tenured Ron Rivera. Out, of, He's out of Baylor. He clearly has the reins in Carolina when you look at the contract. We can get into his tendencies and stuff at a later date, but he is offensive-minded. And I like what new ownership's doing there in Carolina. So does this mean anything for Christian McCaffrey under under, let's call it, new rule? Do you have any concerns about McCaffrey's volume?
0: No, I don't think so. I think that was probably one of the big draws for Matt Rule to come there. I know he was rumored to be going to the Giants. So I think Christian McCaffrey was probably a huge draw for him. Um, And, you know, they gave him a seven-year deal. uh, So you would think he would want to build around Christian McCaffrey. Why wouldn't you, obviously? Uh, So without having looked into, like you said, his tendencies and whatnot, I don't really see much change for CMC.
1: Yeah, I'm not worrying about his fantasy value at all. If you take away 25% of Christian McCaffrey's fantasy points, he'd still be the running back one overall by almost 40 points in BPR. if he took away 50 percent of his points half his fantasy points poof gone he'd still finished as a top 12 running back this year
0: that's unreal man so i think we can probably cap christian mccaffrey off by saying uh at the 101 it's cmc no matter what right definitely so the running back two this year was pretty wild it was aaron jones
1: 281 330 8004 hit my jones up on the low because mike jones about to blow
0: Yeah, what a season he had. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about his work in the passing game and Green Bay's offense overall and their running back usage in the passing game. He had 19 touchdowns tied with Christian McCaffrey for the league lead, which is stellar. I think Aaron Jones, I actually recently in a dynasty startup kind of mock draft that I did. um, I think on the last episode, I mentioned that article that I did with those other analysts and my second round pick at the 205 was Aaron Jones and I was pumped about that.
1: Yeah, he went this year as the running back 16 in drafts. That's just crazy to look back and think about that because he paid off as the running back two. He was the running back three in points per game. And, you know, you mentioned the 19 touchdowns. He'll be a hot topic in the offseason. I imagine hopefully we just have a lot of exposure in dynasty because we'll hear one thing over and over again with Aaron Jones this year. It's going to be touchdown regression. But every year, I think the fantasy world gets smarter to trends and touchdown regression is kind of all the rage right now. So I think Aaron Jones could actually have the regression baked into his average draft position next year. And I just want to say again, in three seasons now, Aaron Jones has proven he can score touchdowns with the best of them. He scores touchdowns at a far higher rate than Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, all the big touchdown guys. Having said that, his touchdowns will come down. (laughs) Like Aaron Jones' touchdown regression will happen. What I hope is that he can make up for it, though, in the passing game, increase in volume, more snaps, all that.
0: He still is going to be put into favorable positions in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers can still get this team into the end zone. And we know that he has that nose for the end zone. Aaron Jones does. So do you want to talk a little bit about his value going into 2020?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think he's an amazing talent. Honestly, I think think of him as a guy who could be thought of in the elite tier by the end of next year. It would be... Super rare and super cool just because of his draft capital. I, I, I think his late selection by the Packers, it kind of lends to why people still aren't 100% sold on him. I get it. The the Jamal Williams factor, Aaron Rodgers throws. Well, he used to. Yeah, he, I don't think he's throwing 30 touchdowns in a few seasons now, but I just think Aaron Jones is really good. And, mm-hmm. you know, it gets me. That's what I'm saying about Aaron Rodgers. I think... What we've seen this year from LeFleur, the new head coach, he's had a lot of influence on the running backs. And the running back target share in Green Bay was off the charts by their standards and Aaron Rodgers' standards. I, I won't dive into it. I have before. But, yeah, Aaron Jones was second on the team in catches. Jamal Williams was third. For his value, it's going to be tough. He's going to be right around that 1-2 turn, right? You know what I mean? It, he's going to be kind of the, the Dalvin Cook pick of this year. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good comp. So yeah. Do you want
1: to do a quick either-or of the guys who I think are going to be right in that range?
0: Yeah, let's keep sending it with those either ors. Those are fun.
1: I think they're hard as fuck. Okay, Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones?
0: That is definitely hard as fuck. Like, harder as fuck than I am. And I'm pretty hard. Need them within an hour. Let's do it. All right. Come back in five minutes. Need an hour. What are we going to do with the other 55 minutes? You know what I'm saying? That's how fucking hard the rock pile right. is. Hard as ball. fuck.
1: I think Derrick Henry would be closer to, like, the, the second round. Like, he'll be, like around 20th overall for me and I I still would take guys behind him that I have ranked behind him probably
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so give me Aaron Jones on that one who's the next guy
1: Leonard Fournette
0: who if I know he's back in Jacksonville I think it's Leonard Fournette yeah, I
1: don't think he will be and I mm-hmm. don't know who I'd take out of those it's that's that's a really close one I really like Leonard Fournette and we'll get into him really soon what about Joe Mixon Joe Mixon yeah I'll take Joe Mixon there too mm-hmm. what about Alvin Kamara alvin kamara yeah i think that one's a lot closer than people want to admit i'll put it that i way. think you're right i think I he's think Alvin right Kamara light
0: hmm that's that's interesting yeah i think uh that is a close one for sure though
1: yeah so we we didn't really nail anything down there he's just <laughs> one two one two turn right now and we'll yeah. have to it's one of those things that'll solidify a lot when rookies come in as well with those some of those you know two or four of them that you know kansas city draft someone who knows
0: yeah exactly exactly why don't we talk about the running back three here, Ezekiel Elliott? He had another good season. I think we saw a little bit of a dip in his passing game work. Uh, that kind of just, to me, shows what his ceiling potentially could be. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that that dip in targets is a trend for them, but it looks like Kellen Moore is going to be coming back as the OC under Mike McCarthy. So what do you think about Zeke? yet? He, he had a pretty solid year, eh? Yeah, it's kind of a, almost like a quiet Zeke year, which is kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I think you said it. that was a perfect adjective to use. It was a solid year. There is also some more fresh news on the coach carousel, too, when we're talking about Dallas, and Mike McCarthy was hired there as the head coach. McCarthy had success with Eddie Lacy, so, you know, it sounds funny, but he, he could reinstate Ezekiel Elliott as a focal point of the offense because I think I kind of leaned away from him this year, and I just think Ezekiel Elliott, he's always a threat for a big spike touchdown season. I would like to see his use in the passing game stabilize, but mm-hmm. he, he was just so steady Eddie this year. Zeke had nine running back one performances this year. And I think Zeke finished outside the top 24 just once.
0: Like that's a good floor. Absolutely it is. And I think most of his pieces are going to stay in place as far as the offensive line. Uh, obviously we know, or, or I think we think that Dak is probably going to be back on a new deal. Uh, so I think Zeke is a solid running back in that mid first round area. If, if that's where you're looking to go.
1: Yeah I definitely have him third overall I think I'll have it ranked exactly like I did last year Hashtag CMC no matter what Saquon and then Zeke at three Mm -hmm. And three overall
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, part of that is, like I said earlier, the ceiling in the passing game. I think we could see that increase. Uh, We saw what he could do the year before this past season, uh, and he looked stellar in the passing game. So, you know, especially, you know, if Amari leaves, there could be some targets opening up. Who knows what's going to happen with Chase and Witten in those short targets that could help Zeke as well. So locked in top five running back for sure.
1: Yeah, and I, I just want to see those targets stabilized, like something in between what we saw this year and the year before. That's that's what I'm hoping for, and I think that's what we should expect for sure. Mm-hmm. What any hot takes in dynasty? Because I'd probably sell I'd sell Zeke for a massive package. Like if I could get a top ten running back in an early first, done. Two mm-hmm. early first mid tier running back done. Mm-hmm. Tony Pollard also. Any thoughts?
0: Yeah, definitely a top five handcuff. Tony P looked really, really good towards the end of the season when they gave him some work. I could see him getting mixed in a little bit, but we did see that Ezekiel Elliott still can produce with Tony P getting his, you know, five to ten touches a game or something like that. Uh, Zeke's still going to get it done because he does get those touchdowns as well. So, you know, I don't really have a hot take for him in Dynasty. He's probably top three, four in Dynasty for me, just like he is in redraft.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's get to the next guy. Let's get to the next guy. Austin Eckler, he was the running back four overall this year in fantasy football. In points per game, he was the running back six. So don't let people, you know, talk you down too much. He was taken as a running back 30 in the end of the fifth round, beginning of the sixth. He was kind of the cutoff. If you didn't have him as a zero RB enthusiast, you were uh, SOL. Austin Eckler, he is a machine in the passing game, eh?
0: Oh, dude, he looked so, so good. I uh, I think on all those targets that he had, he didn't have any drops this year, right?
1: Probably. He led all running backs in yards per route run second by McCaffrey in targets. He had 108 targets, and he had 92 catches this year. And it, Trav, his 993 yards receiving is the fourth most by running back ever.
0: Yeah, that's that's stupid good, man. I think he showed that he can be the featured back in Los Angeles. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him because, you know, they might want to bring a young player young guy in because with Eckler's season he might want to get a little bit of cash flow being a restricted free agent so it's going to be an interesting watch but uh, I like Austin Eckler and I don't think he's going to be there for those uh, zero RB guys anymore
1: no he fits this offense better than Melvin Gordon I expect LA to let Melvin Gordon walk extend Eckler and state him as their lead back they probably add via the drafter on the cheap and free agency or they could even let Justin Jackson play the running back two roles we saw during Melvin Gordon's holdout Plus, like for the second half of the season, what we saw for the Los Angeles Chargers is they can support two top 12 running backs. In the last five weeks of the season, both Chargers were top 12 running backs in PPR. And with Rivers' future uncertain, the Chargers, they're going to lean more on the running backs.
0: Yeah, man, depending on what they do. I mean, there's a lot of rumors that they're going to kind of try and get up a couple spots maybe in the draft to draft um, mm-hmm. maybe like Justin Herbert or something because it, it might be a little bit of a stretch for them to jump up for um, for Burrow or Tua. Oh, no chance. But uh, they're going to be definitely a team to watch as far as the quarterback market.
1: Yeah, Herbert, Love, Fromm, definitely on the table for the Chargers. And uh, I think no matter what happens, though, what this offense is, like the play calling and all that, the running backs, they're just – They're crushing the league right now in targets and target share. They had 182 targets, the running backs. It was number one by a huge margin. Also, first in the NFL with almost 32% of their targets going to the running back position. How How do you value him? He might be one of the guys who people are talking about is really hard to value.
0: I, i'm I'm totally with that he is really hard to value uh, we've seen what he can do but we don't necessarily know what his situation is gonna allow him to do right um you know there could be a team that could like that skill set and match that offer uh, we would hope that if that were to happen that that team would use him similarly so there is a little bit to shake out but I kind of think that Eckler's gonna be back in in Los Angeles and we know that Melvin Gordon's going to be gone so I could probably uh, i don't think i don't know if I could draft him as a running back one um, but I think he would probably be a high-end running back, too. What do you think?
1: Yeah, he's double top 12 for me. He's top 12 running back in redraft, top 12 running back in Dynasty for me.
0: Yeah, hey, yeah, nice. Easily.
1: Well, not easily, but he, he's right around running back 12 for me.
0: For sure. And when I say high-end running back, too, I'm thinking, like, between 13 and 15. So not too far off there. Yeah. Okay, the next guy, uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier, uh, Derrick Leak, Derek Henry. He was the running back six, and on a points-per-game basis, he was the running back four. He had over 1,500 yards rushing. That's a fantastic season. Um, he still hasn't really tapped into the passing game whatsoever. It remains to be seen whether they're going to give him much of that, um, but we know he's good for that. that one grab for 70-plus yards in a season or whatever that makes you really think that they're going to do it. Uh, I think he had a stellar season.
1: Yeah, I think what remains to be seen with Derrick Henry is his contract. I really think it, it would behoove them to put a franchise tag on him or something, but I, I really do think he does go elsewhere. He's really looking to pay out. I've really followed what he said in interviews and things like that throughout the season. It seems like Derrick Henry wants to get paid a big deal, and he kind of is a BFD after this year. So when it comes to fantasy, he was taken as a running back 23, so he's definitely a huge payoff this year in fantasy. But next year, I really I think he'll be in a void. I really have a feeling he's going to go right around the turn, if not, like, Seven, eight, Mm -hmm. nine, or 10, especially in home leagues. People love Derrick Henry. I think he's in a void. Like the lack of pass catching versus other top 12 guys and their pass catching. I mean, last year, 88% of his fantasy points came from rushing. This year, 85% of his fantasy points came on the ground. It's by far the highest fantasy point distribution for rushing inside the top 12 of running backs. And the only player actually inside the top 24 with a higher skew is Marlon Mack at running back 24. He had eighty-six uh, percent of his fantasy points through rushing or touchdowns. What do you What do you think? Do you think he goes inside first rounds of uh, fantasy drafts next year?
0: I think he's right on that cusp. In a 12-team league, he's probably between picks 10 and 16, somewhere around there, and uh, you said it, man. That's a little bit too rich for my blood. We just haven't seen the dual threat as far as the passing game, like you said, and that's the biggest factor for me. At the price he's going to be going, I'm probably not going to own him. I am actually one who thinks that he might be back with Tennessee because I think he's just such a great fit for what they want to do. Vrabel loves having him there, and he's effective in that scheme, and if they're going to bring back Ryan Tannehill, somebody who can kind of pound on the rock like that it's going to really really help insulate him from becoming that iffy ryan Tannehill that we used to see on the dolphins
1: yeah i think i think the titans as a team are going to be just such an avoid overall the next year in fantasy
0: yeah people are going to get pretty high on that last half of the season and i'm oh, still they on... have so
1: much regression coming Tannehill, yeah. derrick henry aj brown unfortunately unless unless aj brown's targets can go way up and unless you know derrick henry can get involved in the passing
0: game Henry's probably a little bit too rich, but nonetheless he had a wicked season this year and, and I you know, I think another rushing title in the next three years is definitely in the realm of possibilities for him if he can um, you know, get a similar situation to what he had this year. But on on the flip side of that, this could be an outlier for him. So it's it's really tough to kind of gauge where you want to get him, which makes that draft price not necessarily worth it.
1: Yeah, it couldn't have been a much better year for Derrick Henry. So let's mm-hmm. go to Dalvin Cook. He is the running back seven overall this season. However, he is the running back two in points per game, and we remember he had some pretty dominating stretches behind Christian McCaffrey throughout the season. And he was the he was the running back nine uh, drafted in fantasy drafts.
0: Yeah, he uh, he paid off big, obviously, and you know I think uh, you know you're going to see that in your drafts this coming season. Uh, he was great in the passing game. He was. Super dynamic in the running game. Um, And he did have that little injury, but he didn't have a big one that took out a big chunk of his season. So uh, we saw what he can do when he is healthy. Uh, That's a big question for him is health. Uh, What do you think about Dalvin kind of moving forward here?
1: Yeah, I kind of, when I took a step back, I, I. I, I'll put it this way, he was a running back one less than I realized. Only 57% of the time, Dalvin Cook was a top 12 running back. I would have thought that was a higher number. Mm-hmm. But 36% of his weeks were top 24, so that's a pretty high floor right there. So he pretty much was a top 24 running back every week, but it was only, you know, just over half the time that he was a top 12 running back, and most of those came early in the season. And he does have a few knocks. It, we have to talk about them if he's going to be drafted in the top five fantasy drafts next year. And durability is an obvious one. Only two games this year, you said it, but for the third year in a row to start his career, a guy who battled injuries before the NFL, you know, Cook missed time this year. and He's mm-hmm. not seeing the snap share of some of the running backs around him in fantasy are either. He, he hit 80% snaps in just two games this year, and he wasn't over 81% in any game. And they did draft Alexander Madison earlier than anybody thought they would. He and in his inclusion in the offense isn't going anywhere. Actually, let me split Dalvin Cook's season in half for a second. He played 14 games this year. Let's look at the first half. Weeks 1 to 7, Dalvin was an unbelievable advantage for fantasy owners. He was the running back 2 overall. From week 8 on, he was the running back 15 overall. And the running back 7 in points per game. He still played well, but the huge, huge advantage, it was gone. And check this out. In his first 7 games, Dalvin Cook had 5 games with over 110 yards rushing. He had zero games over 100 yards rushing afterwards. So while I think Dalvin is great and one of my favorite players to watch in football, uh, he just he, he, and also he didn't have a receiving touchdown this year, I, I just think I could be called blasphemous, but I think he's closer to like the running back five right now. Like hashtag CMC, mm-hmm. 101 no matter what, Saquon, Zeke. Then do I want to take Michael Thomas there? And then I'm looking at like even a DeAndre Swift or someone like that. Maybe someone lands in Kansas City like a J.K. Dobbins. You know, I'd put that guy top five. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Dal- yeah, I just think uh, it's equally risky as putting Dalvin at top five. You know what I mean?
0: Totally, man. Totally. Um, I think you know. You mentioned it. It was pr- pretty surprising on his running back one seasons. That shows that he is going to give you those booms. Um, but along with that boom, there could be a little bit of bustiness potential. Um, I think you know. You mentioned the floor is really good, but we don't really know what the future is going to hold. And Alex Madison, not only is he getting slowly worked in, he had a big share of some red zone targets this past year. So we know they're going to want to use him a little bit, and he's been pretty effective. So um, it's interesting to watch. And I. I'm kind of there that I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be drafting him based on where he's going to go. It might be a situation where I let somebody else draft him and have another good player fall to me that, I, that I'm that i a little bit more certain on.
1: Yeah, it shows me that I'm going to have a really clear top three tier, and it would be really easy if my philosophy was a little different and I could just put Michael Thomas at four and make it really easy. But what do you, what do you think about that? Would you take, You're taking Michael Thomas over Dalvin Cook, or are you taking Dalvin Cook?
0: No, Michael Thomas, for sure. I think
1: I'm taking Dalvin Cook there. Really? Yeah, I think I'll take five or six running backs before Michael Thomas in 2020. Hmm. But yeah, I think that will be a hot take.
0: I think so, too.
1: Speaking of hot takes, who would have thunk it? Leonard Fournette, running back eight this year.
0: Lenny. Lenny.
1: What a funny season from old Lenny. Fournette is a super interesting guy because of, you know, the standing he has with his team at the moment. Will they exercise as a fifth year option? Will he walk in free agency? They definitely used him up like they don't mind letting him walk. And we knew the Jags had a lot of vacated running back targets heading into this season. But I don't think anybody saw this many of them going to Leonard Fournette.
0: No, man. Over a hundred targets. You know, you mentioned them using him up. In in anticipation of letting him walk, well, they might have used him up to a point where they said, oh, that's that's nice. We (laughs) like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's a nice piece to have on your offense, you know, especially with that uh, young quarterback in Gardner Minshew, who we think is going to stick around and compete for that job. Um, You know, it's uh, it's an interesting case because Leonard Fournette could very easily, almost likely be in a different place going into next year.
1: Yeah, and he, he's in a different place in the fantasy realm now. And, you know, we talked about it with Derrick Henry. Think about this. Leonard Fournette, So Derrick Henry had 85% of his points come from, you know, rushing production this year. Leonard Fournette had just over 50%. He had almost 50% of his fantasy points come in the passing game this year.
0: That's awesome. That's something that you know there was always questions around whether he could do that, uh, and I think we saw that he can. So uh um, Fournette, I love the player. I'm just I'm just waiting on the situation before I'll draft him at value. Yeah, know? exactly.
1: Like his value, Derek, Derek Henry, to me too. These guys are hard to peg down where their value is right now. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I actually expect a bunch of musical chairs at running back position in free agency. So. It's a riddle right now because Fournette is supposed to be a top candidate for positive touchdown regression. So anyway that Fournette shakes out, nobody should be surprised if Fournette's back in the six to nine touchdown range next year. He had a game this year with two hundred and forty five yards rushing and didn't score.
0: Oh yeah. That was a that was a frustrating touchdown season. Luckily he was kind of buoying that with the receptions and whatnot. But man, you you have to see that coming back up, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But I also think Leonard Fournette's one of the guys that there might be three or four rookie running backs who I love, who are going to have top 50 draft capital in the NFL.
0: I'm selling Fournette for rookie picks in a heartbeat in Dynasty right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, sell them for picks. Mm-hmm. There's so much uncertainty around them. And, you know, you're going to get some youth onto your rosters, especially in Dynasty. And think about that. It's hard think, to think about say that it.
1: from this offseason, getting first round 2020 draft picks for Leonard Fournette. There was no chance you were getting that in the previous offseason. <laughs>
0: absolutely and I think you probably could to the right owner right now mm-hmm. so I mean as far as you know value do you think do you think he's going to be top 12 going into next year for you as far as like ranking so why don't we just start with redraft
1: yeah well, I think I kind of said it there like he, he's going to yeah. be right around that you know but it's it's going to depend on I, I'll put it this way I don't think so I think that I, I want to put him top 12 but as soon as these rookies come in I know he's going to be the guy that he these rookies are going ahead of
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, he's right on the cusp for me um, I'm not necessarily sure where the rookies are going to land um, but just that first thought of the running backs in the league I think he's right on that uh, You know, 12-16 to to twelve to 16 cusp much like Derrick Henry like you said so uh, keep an eye on Lenny and sell him for those early picks if you can
1: if I'm guaranteed he plays 16 games then I would definitely put him right around the first round of fantasy drafts
0: mm-hmm. yeah if you know he's getting that passing work too for sure
1: so who's next? I'm lost
0: yeah, so the next guy, uh, running back eleven, Nick Chubb. Nice. Uh, we like we like Nick Chubb a lot over here at Drew North. He was uh, he was the running back eleven, obviously, and points per game. He was the running back eleven as well. So uh, I think you got him at a really good value in your drafts this past season. So Ty, why don't you get into Chubb because I know you like him quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's one of the only bright spots in Cleveland's offense this year. And I think the Browns as a team, they're going to be huge by-low targets. And Nick Chubb may be the exception, though, depending on Hunt's future and Chubb's use in the passing game. But with with a lot of running backs set to be on the market, I, Kareem Hunt could be one of them, that's for sure.
0: You're regardless
1: of the guy who drafted him Jim Dorsey being fired recently
0: yeah totally I mean he is a like a dynamic player Kareem hunt and uh, we like his skill set as well I actually think that Kareem hunt probably is elsewhere um, they they aren't necessarily gonna want to bring him back on a big deal or anything like that so uh, I I don't know, I think Nick Chubb is kind of a sneaky guy who could move up into the top top six running backs next year, actually. I'm, I'm really high on Nick Chubb. We know he can do it in the passing game, right? We saw that before Kareem Hunt came back, so we know that it's all there for him. It's just a matter of McDaniels' usage of him, um, and obviously, like we just said, the Kareem Hunt stuff. So uh, I I could see myself finding an owner who who's down on Chubb because of the Kareem Hunt factor and buying Nick Chubb.
1: So who you got, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon?
0: Ah, uh, Joe Mixon,
1: Nick Chubb or Lenny Fonette? Ah, uh, Chubb. Chubb or Aaron Jones. Whew.
0: Dang, I think. Oh, I think it might be Chubb by hair.
1: I really, really like the talent of Nick Chubb. I just worry twenty twenty might not be like the the breakout top five season.
0: I hope so. Right.
1: I do. I just have this feeling that Cream Hunt's gonna be back. They could. They could really work that deal out for another one year
0: mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. Yeah totally um what what about dino you think uh do you think he's in there for dino
1: oh yeah dynasty sky's the limit i'd trade ezekiel elliott for nick chubb straight up in dynasty
0: damn there's a hot one yeah but i i
1: honestly would have nick chubb like right around the top three or four or five running back in dynasty easily yeah that's nice i love it so we got one more
0: yeah, let's hit uh, hit the caboose of the train. The running back 12, Alvin Kamara. Very up and down season. He did uh, get a little bit banged up and missed a couple games there. Um, we didn't actually see Latavius worked in as much as we thought. I think the big factor in Kamara's quote-unquote down running back one season, that's a top 12 running back, sorry, running back one, uh, the biggest factor was the touchdown regression, which I think we should have seen coming probably. But it's easy to get uh, kind of wrapped up in the talent that is uh, AK-41. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it,
1: it all we have to talk about with Alvin Kamara is touchdowns. I mean, I think a lot of people overestimated his ability to be like a bell cow running back. I don't think we should have expected that. I think we've heard that out of Sean Payton's mouth constantly. And... I think the touchdowns are going to return. So I I don't think it's unjustified to say he's going to be a first round pick next year, but I do, I do worry that if he's going to go as like a running back four or five, he might be a little bit overvalued. We'll have to see if he's going ahead of Dalvin cook. That's crazy to me.
0: Those two are pretty close. They're probably my in between five and seven for me, as far as running backs go. Um, just at first glance obviously I haven't dug into any rankings or anything yet uh, but it, it's an interesting case because you know there's the Drew Brees factor um, I think he's probably coming back with that exit out of the playoffs for another season so Drew Brees probably will be back and we know that he likes to throw to those running backs so um, and we know that he's going to put that team in favorable positions to score touchdowns as well right so uh, you know Jared Cook sticking around is a factor there. The Michael Thomas usage in the red zone is another big factor. So um you know, I think he's he's probably gonna regress a little bit back to the mean. Um coming in between, obviously. He's not gonna be getting those eighteen touchdowns per season, so you can't expect that stuff out of him.
1: Yeah. How many how many catches do you think he's gonna have next year? Just take a wild guess.
0: Mm, probably like like eighty ish.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to have 81. In 2017, he had 81 catches. 81. In 2018, he had 81 catches. And 2019, this year, he had 81 catches. <laughs> so you're way off. But, wow.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, his like the guy's touchdowns are going to come up.
0: Yeah, you know, you want to kind of hope for it to be at the mean, and then be excited when you get that bonus of 15 touchdowns or something, right? I'm kind of with you there. It's it's a tricky proposition, Alvin Kamara coming into 2020, especially with Taysom Hill vulturing so many damn touchdowns. Oh my God, and he's coming off his best game in his career. Mm-hmm. You're,
1: you're telling me, yeah. But I do think it's interesting to know that he he hasn't had a season with 200 carries yet. So we we want Alvin Kamara. It's just hard to take a guy in the first round at running back
0: who's not going to have 200 carries. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's going to be cool to watch the Saints. Um. So that kind of wraps up the top 12 running backs for for this episode. Uh, that's all we got for you. This is just the second episode of Breakdown Season for True North Fantasy Football. So we got a lot to come. We actually have. 30 more NFL teams to run through now that we're done, the Arizona Cardinals and the Atlanta Falcons. Ty, you fired up for this offseason or what?
1: I'm feeling good. We're getting into Baltimore next, and that is going to be as exciting as ever. Maybe we should give a tease. We all know that they broke the all-time NFL rushing record as a team this year from the 70s Patriots. So there's going to be a lot of good stuff to break down uh, when it comes to the Ravens.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for those guys. We like a lot of the pieces over in Baltimore. Mark Andrews, Hollywood, Mark Ingram, Justice Hill. Justice Hill, baby. And, of course, Lamar Jackson. So that's going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to keep it coming for all of our listeners through the offseason. we got lots of stuff to bring, and you know we can't wait to get it out on uh, on the mic. So uh, thank you for listening to us. It's It's been a pleasure, and we will see you next week. Peace
1: the big winner there could be Ezekiel Elliott. Like McCarthy had sex Whoa.
0: <laughs> 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 with Jerry oh. Jones when he slept over at his <laughs> house. Stuff. Mike McCarthy had sex with Jerry Jones when he slept over. <laughs>